Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Intentional Living series, which talks about approaching every day with purpose. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. Romans chapter number six is where we're at this morning. And a few weeks ago, we started a series called Intentionally Living. And it's a study that's designed to help us approach every day with purpose and with a Christ-centered thinking um, so that we can live the abundant Christian life. You know, John 10, 10, it was Jesus who said, I've come to give life and I've come to give it that they might have it more abundantly. And so it is God's plan. And I, I believe based on the principles of the word of God, it's God's intention that you and I would live an abundant life. It does not mean that there's not trials. The abundant life is different from this health and, and a wellness life that is preached by a lot of people. Listen, the health and wellness says that if you follow God, everything will be hunky-dory. Just read your Bible. That's not in there. Uh, that's, that's not in there. But the Bible does say that if you and I would live for the Lord, that we experience that relationship with God, that joy and that peace and that strength and that grace that we looked at as we opened the service today. Boy, all of that is ours. That's part of the abundant Christian life. But here's the thought with this uh, series we're going through is the intentional Christian life, the intentional living, this abundant Christian life, doesn't just happen. And the first lesson we looked at was there's a lot of Christians that they go, you know, I want their peace. I want their joy. I like the way they pray. I like the way they can give. I like their heart in trials. And we often look to everybody else and wish we had their Christianity. And the first lesson we looked at out of the book of Peter is that we need to stop wishing and start living. Peter said it this way, Give diligence to add to your faith. Hey, it takes effort to grow in the Lord. We need to remember that every day. It takes effort to grow in the Lord. And if I, if I want to have peace like those Christians that I watch, or if I want to have strength like that person going through that trial, it takes some diligence. It takes a day in and day out walk with God. And so we were challenged about intentionally growing, that growth in the Lord, it takes effort. That's that first week, intentional, intentional living by intentional growth. The second week, which was last week, we looked at intentional living by intentionally giving and understanding that God wants us every day to give ourselves to him. But then more than that, God desires that we would give of our time. He desires that we would give of our actions. He desires that we would give of our words. And we noticed specifically last week out of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that God desires that we would intentionally give of our finances, that we would give to help his work move forward and to help those missions efforts like we looked at last week. This week, we're coming to our series and the, the series is Intentionally Living. Today's title for the message is Intentionally Dying. I told that on Thursday night, and I had people like, that doesn't make sense. Intentionally living and intentionally dying. I want us to understand this morning what this idea means of intentionally dying. I'm not talking about a physical death. And you're going to see what I'm talking about this morning. So before I get into it, let's read it, all right? Uh, Romans chapter 6, let's stand together. Romans chapter 6. And you can use, uh, of course, the Bible that's right there. Uh, underneath the seat in front of you, or you can follow along on the screen. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11 through verse number 13. The word of God says this, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal, mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye yourselves, neither yield, uh, excuse me, trying to do it on the screen as well. This is the wrong verses. That's because I skipped way ahead. There we go. Verse number 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Go back to verse number 11. Notice what Paul writes. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
I want you to do this this morning. As we look at this passage, we're going to discover what it means to be intentionally dead to sin. What that means in your life, what it means in my life. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just take a minute? And if you would, would you just commit the time to the Lord? Ask God to speak to you. And ask the Lord today to help you to have courage to respond to him as he speaks to you. Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for how you want to use it in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you desired today to speak to each of us. And Lord, I'm thankful that you know all of our hearts. And God, you know where we're at. You know what every one of us need today. And so, Father, I pray that as we approach this uh, preaching time, that we would get into your word, hear from you. And Lord, that you'd give us courage to respond to you as you speak to us. God, I do pray that if there's someone that's here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray, God, that today would be the day that they come to know you as their personal Savior, realize that salvation is not in a church or a person or in our works, but it's only in Jesus. pray that you'd bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> I want to know as we start this morning, if you've ever had, ever had a time in your life when you were trying to kill a spider or a mouse or something, and it just wouldn't die. Now, I know there's some of you that you're against maybe killing a spider or a mouse. That's your prerogative. I am not. I am for killing mice. I am for killing spiders. I am for demolishing flies. I hate flies. <clears throat> Now, uh, you ever gone to kill something? And, I, you know, I think about a fly. Sometimes flies are the worst. Because, I mean, unless you just completely, like, get them, you can hit them with a fly. You ever hit a fly with a fly swatter? And they hit and they fall to the ground and you're, like, walking over to it and they're, like, playing dead. <laughs> you're looking down at them and they're just, like, laying there. You know, it's almost like a possum. They just start, right as you're going to reach them, and they're like, ah! I've been in my office before, and yesterday was a prime example. And I, I love how the Lord gives me examples of me. I hope you never run out of hearing about how stupid I am. I just hope you don't, don't ever stop wanting that. Uh, but I remember yesterday, I was in the office studying, and you know, every now and then there's flies that come into our church building and they're the size of quarters. And if you've ever had, it's happened during a service where you can hear them bouncing off the wall, off the ceiling. And just the way these tiles are, you can, you know, you hear this like, ding, 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 ding. I was in my office yesterday and I was studying and typing. And all of a sudden I hear that. Ding, 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 ding. I look up and there's this fly in my office just bouncing around. And I was like, ah. Oh. All right, he'll land on a light, fry himself. Uh, it's like in the electric chair for flies. I'll be good. Um, I'm fine. So I start typing. He just kept going. About two minutes go by. Finally, I grab my fly swatter. I'm standing in my, I'm glad no one came in because I'm standing in my office waiting for that fly. And he'd come and I'd be like, you know, just taking, I was just, just swinging at him with all my might. And I, I got him and he stayed alive. I was like, how in the world did he live through? I got him. And finally, finally, it was a perfect, perfect shot. You would love it. It was like I was up. It was like the LA Dodgers yesterday. <laughs> how many of you are baseball fans? I'm not. <laughs> but I was like one of the Dodgers up to bat. And that fly came past and I swung with all my might and I hit him. And that fly swatter hit him. He hit the wall and bounced to the ground. And I know he was dead. If he wasn't, I made sure of it because I picked him up, opened my door to the outside, set him on the cement, and went wham, 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 wham. And I wanted to make sure that thing was dead. You know, there's some things in life, maybe it's a fly, maybe it's been a spider or a mouse, or I don't know, hopefully not your spouse, uh, but there's been some things that you're just like, will you please just die? Again, hopefully it's not your spouse. 
But you're thinking, will you please, I, I've tried to kill you. Will you, this fly just needs to be done. You know, the thing with that is this, that in a Christian's life, sometimes that's how a lot of Christians feel about sin in their life. The, yeah, yeah, the sinful fly swatters aren't big enough sometimes. You know, if you think about it, in your life and my life, sin can often wreck you. Let me rephrase that. Sin will always wreck you. And many Christians go through life and they know, man, this is sin. Man, this, this thought, is, it's sin. This, this action, it's just controlling me, it's sin. This motive, it's just sinful in my life. This uh, relationship, it's sin. And we can go through life and we know something is sin. I know, I know it. The word of God, and this isn't Pastor Dennis's thought. This is the word of God. The word of God says this is sin before God. And we know it and we kind of go, ah, oh, I just wish... I just wish I could stop. I just wish it would die. I just wish the sin would. I just, and we have the mindset like I did with that fly. Why won't you just die? As I come to Romans chapter number six, I kind of see that this is kind of what Paul is referring to. He's not referring to a spider or a fly or a snake or a mouse that won't die. Instead, he's referring to sin and sinful habits in a believer that just won't stop. As you come to Romans chapter six, we kind of need to know what Paul is talking about a little bit. And of course, the book of Romans, it's a phenomenal book. Uh, it's written uh, right from Paul's pen. And uh, it's a great book of doctrine. If you think about Romans, it's a great book of doctrine as well as practical thoughts. And it was written by Paul and it's written to some house churches. You find this in Romans 16, written to some house churches in Rome, and Paul's writing to them, and he's trying to help them understand the miracle of salvation. Hey, I want you to know the miracle of salvation and what takes place that when you receive the Lord Jesus into your life, man, God moves in. That's what the book of Romans is about. God moves in to your life. You know, as you come to Romans 6, Paul's just finished writing about the fact that when Adam sinned, it damaged all of human race. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, it damaged all of mankind. The Bible says that when Adam sinned, that sin passes upon all men, for that all have sinned. Commonality between everyone in here. We may like different sports teams. We may have different hobbies. We may have a different hair color and eye color, but a commonality that every one of us have in common is that we're all sinners. Because of Adam, sin has passed upon all of us. Paul's just been writing about that. He says this, that because Adam sinned, sin passes upon us, but because Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, forgiveness can pass upon us. So in Adam, we're sinners. In Jesus, we can be made righteous. And that's what Paul writes about, Romans chapter one, verse, uh, Romans chapter one through chapter five. Then as you come to Romans chapter number six, Paul is writing about this principle that since you can be alive unto God and alive unto righteousness, that you can have complete forgiveness over sins. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I are no longer under the bondage of sin. When you receive Jesus, that means it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It just means you don't have to sin anymore. You see, before a person comes to know Jesus, we may have some uh, uh, moral compass, if you will, that, you know, we know that I shouldn't just walk up and punch somebody in the face. There's some people who don't know that, but uh, there's, there's just this moral uh, guideline, if you will, that people know. But really, the Bible teaches, and we know this, that before a person receives Christ, that sin is kind of what I'm prone to. 
I'm prone to doing things that are against God. And here's what Paul is saying. When you receive God, that changes. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So Paul writes to help these in Rome and to help us as well to understand that if Jesus Christ is in your life, you do not have to be controlled or continually give into those sins that can so easily distract you and ultimately hurt you. And what he's writing about is this fact that you can intentionally die to sin every day. And Paul helps us understand how. That's what we're going to discover this morning. How can you and I, we'll all admit it, that sin, sin often has a hold or a grasp in our life that we don't want it to have. So what steps can I take to help sin not be controlling in my life? And Paul helps us out with that. Number one, I want you to see that Paul would help us know this, that if we're going to intentionally die to sin, we must first consider yourself dead to sin. Consider yourself dead to sin. Look at verse number 11, where Paul says this. He says, Likewise, reckon ye yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That phrase, likewise, it means in the same manner. Okay, so here's what Paul says. In the same manner, reckon or take into account that you are dead to sin. Okay, Paul, in the same manner as what? <laughs> what are you writing about before that? That's where we have to go back to the verses before Romans 6.11. So let's go back to verse number six, Romans 6.6 6 through 10. Notice what Paul says. Knowing this, that our old man, that sinful nature, is crucified with him, with Christ, that the body... The control of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Here's what Paul says in verse six right there. If you look at it again, he said, hey, knowing this, that our old man, that old nature, it's crucified with him on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, what was he dying for? He was dying for our sin. And the Bible tells us that as he was on the cross, that he took upon him all the sins of all mankind. That when he was on the cross, Jesus literally had all of our sin, your sin and my sin, every sin that we, all of humanity would ever commit was put upon Jesus when he was on the cross. Every bad thought, every word, every action, every murder, every, every sin committed by anybody, it was all placed on the Son of God at that very moment. It said this in the, in the Word of God. It says that he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When it says he became sin, this is a... a, a um, something that we cannot understand, an anomaly, if you will, to a, maybe a Christian, that we look at it and we say, how in the world can Jesus, God in the flesh, become sin? Well, the Bible helps us understand that he was perfect, and so he could be the only sacrifice for sin. And so in that moment, supernaturally, the sins of all mankind was put on him because he was perfect. It could find nowhere to rest. And so his blood then, the perfect blood of Jesus, would cleanse us from all of our sin. His blood, the blood of Jesus, is the only thing that can atone or make right a sinner. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ. So what Paul is writing, he's saying, hey, when he died, your sin died with him. 
He died, your sin, my sin, it was crucified with him on the cross. And uh, we could go back through it. I preached a whole series in the book of Romans at the beginning of this year. If you want it, you can go online and get all of this more in depth. But here's what Paul is writing. He's saying, hey, listen, you are, when he died and he took your sin, he took everything, all of your sin died with Jesus. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves also dead into sin, dead unto sin. He's saying, hey, so you, you know that he died for your sin. You need to start remembering that he died for your sin. You know that his sin, that your sin, excuse me, you know that your sin died with him and was abolished or forgiven or taken away or erased when he died on the cross. You need to think about that. You need to reckon that. You need to take into account that he that is dead is freed from sin. That's Romans 6, 7. He that is dead is freed from sin. Paul gives an illustration about being dead and freed from sin. I'm, a, a, of course, a, a chaplain for the sheriff's office, and every now and then I have to do some, sor some sort of a death notification. And sometimes it may be at a very scene where there is a, a, a body, and the person has died. And there's some law enforcement here and some retired law enforcement or military. And I'm not trying to bring up anybody's thoughts about this, but uh, I know that for me, man, the very first time that I was around somebody who died, it was kind of weird. It's just kind of different. Of course, it started when I was six. My brother was the first main, you know, dead person I was ever around. But here's something I learned about a dead person. They don't react. And, and it's humorous, but it's true. They don't react. A person who's dead, you can poke them. They're not going to poke you back. You can pick them up and move them. They don't care. That person is dead. Here's Paul's thought. If you are dead in Christ, then sin should be able to poke you, be around you, slap you. Sin should be, right, be able to be right in front of you. And you go, he that is dead is freed from sin. I'm no longer bound to that. Sin doesn't even have an effect in me. That's what Paul's getting to. Now you and I, we hear that and we're like, sin certainly has an effect on me. Pastor, you don't know that, man. And we begin to, here's what Paul is saying. You need to actually just think about this. You're dead to sin. So when sin comes along to tempt you, I'm dead to sin. Sin died on the cross with Jesus. My sin was placed upon him. And as Paul gets to this, he's helping us understand that uh, before salvation, a person more readily and more easily chooses sin, regardless of how big or how small that sin may seem. We easily commit sin before salvation. But once we are saved, we're given a new nature. And we're going to start a brand new series tonight about the nature we're given after salvation. But that sin nature is no longer there. That sin nature nature is dead and gone. A saved person does not have two natures, sin nature and Christ. No, sin has been killed. Here's the hard part. We still live in something that doesn't know that. It's called the flesh. It's this stuff. It's, it's the stuff that you can see. It's born corrupted, sinful. When I get saved, my spirit, my soul is revived, made right with God, but not this stuff. This isn't going to be made right with God until eternity. So I'm bound in sinful flesh, but if I know Christ as my savior, I don't have a sinful nature. I'm given a new nature, God now lives inside of me. <clears throat> when you look at the wording that Paul uses, that phrase reckon, it means to take into account, to consider, to determine, to purpose, to decide. So Paul says, hey, you're dead to sin, believe it. Hey, you're dead to sin, believe it. 
Very simply, it's Paul saying, reckon it to be so. God said that you're dead to sin. Believe it and be alive unto God. You know, there's a lot of Christians, they go, yeah, you know, and they, ah, I know I'm dead to sin, but, and we begin to make excuses for our sin. Paul's saying, hey, no, you're dead to sin. Believe it. I used the illustration uh, um, preaching this passage in our Roman series, and I think it's a healthy illustration for today. But if you've ever uh, been around a farm where they cut the heads off of a chicken or they cut the head off of a snake, man, when you cut the head off of, off of a chicken or a snake, and there's some who raise chickens here, and that, man, that's great. When you cut the head off of a chicken, that little body just starts running around. Is the chicken dead? Yeah. But the body just doesn't know it yet. You can cut the head off of a snake, and the back of the snake's just going to keep slithering around. The head, it's dead. There's no more life there. But the body doesn't know it yet. That's the truth with you and I, that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the head of sin controlling me is cut off but this body just doesn't know it yet. And so Paul says, hey, you need to believe that. At the cross, Jesus dealt fully and forever with all aspects of sin. And Paul is saying, you and I, we need to consider ourselves to be dead to sin. So if I consider myself to be dead to sin, I need to know that that's one step in overcoming sin and intentionally dying to my sinful desires. But it doesn't stop there. Notice with me that Paul says, secondly, not only consider yourself to be dead to sin, but choose to not be dominated by sin. Hey, know that you're dead to it, but then choose not to be controlled by it. Verse number 12 of Romans 6, let not sin therefore, the therefore means because you're dead to it, let not sin reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Paul is saying, hey, someone who's in Christ, who's received Christ as Savior, they're freed from the power of sin. Before salvation, you're a slave to it. After salvation, it no longer should control you. Sin and death no longer have a stronghold in the life of a child of God. You see, before salvation, you may again have a sense of morality, but there's not a sense of sin versus righteousness. And so sinning is the leading uh, um, characteristic going on in my life. But when you get saved, once you're dead to sin, you have a choice in the matter. That's the phrase, let not sin, therefore reign. Hey, since you're dead, choose not to so easily give in to sin. Choose not to be controlled or led by those sinful desires. Paul is pointing out the fact that you have a choice in the matter. When he says, let not sin, it's you have a choice in this. And so a Christian is no longer bound by sin, so don't live a life that's controlled by sin and the desires of the flesh. Verse 14 of the same passage, Paul said this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Hey, you're no longer bound by knowing right and wrong because of the sin nature that was in you. No, now you're under the grace of God. Don't live controlled by that flesh. Now, this can be confusing and frustrating because... Again, while we spiritually are dead to sin, we still live in this flesh. But what a believer needs to know and remember is that while we live in this flesh, we are not to be controlled by the flesh. And here's the principle. The flesh has a tendency to want that which is not good. I'll give you some illustrations. My flesh wants to eat whatever I want. My flesh wants to eat ice cream all the time. I want to eat cookies all the time. I want to eat chocolate, peanut butter, anything all the time. People give me Reese's all the time because people know it's my favorite candy. If I could, if I could, I would sit in my office and eat every Reese's that somebody gives me. From the giant bags that Brother Mike brings in to the 12 packs that the kids class will give me. I would sit in my office 
I would open it, eat it, throw it away. Open it, eat it, throw it away wrapper. I just, I do it all day. My flesh wants to do that. My flesh wants to drink sweet drinks. I would love to drink sweet tea. I would love to have this water bottle right here filled with sweet tea every time I ever preach. I would love to carry around with me one of those 64 big gulp cups of sweet tea. I'd love it. My flesh wants that. Okay, <clears throat> question. Is it a sin for me to eat a Reese's? Is it a sin for me to drink a glass of sweet tea? However, listen, if I gave into that sin, or excuse me, if I gave into that desire and I ate sweets all of the time and drank sweet tea all of the time and drank those eight Reese's cups every day, that would cause me to go into gluttony. And gluttony is a sin. What is gluttony? Gluttony is the sin of giving into my fleshly desires for food and drink all the time. That's what gluttony is. Gluttony is not overeating. Gluttony is giving into the sin that my flesh wants it and I'm going to give it to my flesh. Okay, let's think about um, the idea of working. Naturally, most people we would say are people who don't necessarily have a desire to work. I don't know too many people other than the Perkins family that wakes up in the morning and the alarm goes off and they go, oh, new day, let's hit it hard. I don't know anybody else besides my in-laws. Is there people here that are like that? There might be a couple of you like that. Man, you know what? Most people, you're like me. My alarm goes off and I just take my phone, my alarm, and I just throw it away. <laughs> Leave me alone. I don't want to get up right now. I'm not moving. I told my wife this morning when I got out of bed and walked in uh, to our, we have a little walk-in closet and she's getting ready in there. And I walked in, I said, I hate getting out of bed in the winter. And she looked at me, I said, because it's cold. I'm all warm and cozy in my bed. I do not want to get out in the winter. And then I stopped and I thought about it. I looked at her. I said, I hate getting out of bed in the summer. <laughs> because in the summer, it's all hot outside and I'm sleeping there with the fan right on my face. And it's just so, you know why? My flesh, we want comfort and we want to just stay lazy. We want, we want to just be lazy. Okay, question. Is it wrong for me to have a lazy day every now and then? No. Actually, that's biblical. <laughs> I did it, Pastor said I can be lazy every day. No, no, the Bible tells us that we should take at least one day every seven. One day should be a day of rest. Let me give you a great translation of the word rest. In the Hebrew, you know what the word rest means? Lazy. In the Greek, you want to know what the word rest means? Lazy. That's Pastor Dennis' translation. The word rest, it means, hey, take it off. It's not sinful to take it off, but what's sinful is if that laziness becomes my character and I don't ever work. The Bible says if I don't work, I should not eat. You see, so the desire is not the sin, but the over-giving uh, um, uh, into that desire is the sin. And that's exactly what Paul's writing about. He says, hey, you're dead to sin, so quit just giving into it all the time. Hey, you're dead to sin, so just quit obeying it. Don't let it dominate your life. So many people, so many Christians, we just go through life, and that sin, it just controls us. This flesh literally runs everything in my life. And Paul said this, put it under subjection. No, you tell your flesh no and get up out of that bed and read the word of God. Hey, you tell your flesh no and say, I'm not going to eat every Reese's that I get. Tell it no. Why? Because your flesh needs to know that God is in me and flesh, you are dead. You just don't know it yet. You are not going to control me. 
Listen, let me just tell you this, that some of the natural desires that God put into our flesh, some of those desires, there is nothing sinful with them. But if I continually give in to them, they become sin. We're not getting it. Listen, there's some things in people, in Christians' lives. Can I just talk for a moment? That uh, the Bible says that the bed in marriage, I know there's children in here, so I won't be graphic, but the bed in marriage, the Bible says that it's a good thing. Sinful nature wants to pervert that. And so Christians get addicted to all sorts of forms of pornography and forms of sexual activity outside of a marriage between a husband and a wife. And here's what God says. When you give in to that, that is sin. Pastor, I can't believe you would. You're not arguing with me. This is the word of God. The Bible says that you and I, we should control our thoughts, but so many people let their thoughts control them. The word of God says that you should be a manager over your spirit. It says this, that a, a man who cannot control his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. There's no defense. But there's a lot of Christians that their spirit, their anger, their frustration, their bitterness, that controls their actions. And that's how they respond to their husband or wife. That's how they react to their kids. Oh, I tell you what, when I was your age, I would never, and their anger flares up. What is that? That's just giving into the flesh. Man, we need to understand that God is serious about sin, and he died for it enough, so I should say it's not going to control me. Sin will not control my life. It is not, my flesh is not going to be the leading uh, character in my life. No, I'm going to say no. And there's a lot of Christians that are not finding the abundant Christian life because we're not saying no to sin. We want Jesus on Sunday and my own life on Monday through Saturday. Paul says, hey, these things ought not to be. Hey, reckon yourselves dead to sin. He that is dead to sin is, man, you're free and alive unto God. You're alive unto Jehovah. I not only need to consider myself to be dead to sin, but I need to understand that I need to choose to not be dominated by sin. When I'm dominated by sin, controlled by the flesh, listen to what Paul says a few verses, a few chapters after this. He says, so then, then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Hey, if I'm controlled by that sinful nature... I'm not pleasing to God. But ye, if you're saved, you're, you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell or abide or have consistent control in you. Peter wrote it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. He says, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, controlled by sin, to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. He's partly explaining what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hey, Jesus lived in the flesh, but he never sinned. He never gave into it. Did you know that Jesus in the flesh, he was 100% God, yet he was 100% man? And here's what the Bible tells us. He was tempted in all points like as we are. You know what that means? This blows our mind. That means Jesus had every sinful desire that you and I ever have. Do you think Jesus never ate chocolate? I don't believe that. That he never ate something sweet? No, I know Jesus ate sweet things. Why? Because it talks in the Bible about him eating the figs and, and different things like that. You know what? Jesus, he had that, but he never sinned. He never turned himself over to the flesh. You say, but pastor, he's the son of God. <laughs> I can't do that. You're right to the sense that you're not the son of God in in the, in the fact that of Jesus was just like Jesus was. But we're wrong to think that because we have to understand that the same power that was afforded to Jesus is offered to you and I every day. It's the power of his Holy Spirit, the control of him. Here's the problem. 
We like sin too much. We choose sin too much. And some Christians in here, I hate this, but some Christians in here will hear a message like this and see it in scripture and this week sin will still dominate their life because they choose to. Well, it's just the way I, no, let's quit giving excuses. The Bible says, let not sin reign in your mortal body. Hey, if you know Christ, you don't have to give in to it. Well, pastor, I would consider myself dead to sin. That's the first step. I'll choose not to be dominated by sin. That's the second step. What's the third? This is key. Don't miss it. If you miss this, you'll miss everything. Here's the key. Commit to be daily surrendered. Notice verse 13. Neither yield ye yourselves as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Here's the thought. Choose to yield to the Lord. Choose to yield your body as a servant of God. I yield to the Lord, not to my selfish desires. I'm completely surrendered to him each day, not to what I want. The word yield, it means to place at one's disposal, to present, to offer as a sacrifice. Paul says this, hey, you have to make a conscious decision to every day and moment by moment present your body to God. Present your heart as a servant of God. Surrender to use your life, your body, your thoughts, your actions, your words completely for him. And we need to understand this, that yielding is an act of the will based on the knowledge we have of what Christ has done for us. Another way of saying it, one man said this, and I love the thought. Yielding is an intelligent act, not an impulsive decision. Yielding makes the choice. It doesn't just happen. That's where this idea of intentionally dying comes in. (laughs) Intentionally dying. I choose to die to myself. I choose to be surrendered to him. Paul goes on in verse 15 to say this. He says that yielding is a matter of understanding grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Man, you're under grace. It's because of the amazing grace of God that we're saved. We're saved by grace. Aren't you thankful for grace? Man, grace is that unmerited. Whoa. Someone put a fourth step there. Grace is that unmerited favor. Grace is something we don't deserve. Grace, God says, sin says, hey, you're guilty. And grace says, forgiven and forgotten. You see, God's not like people. Here's why. Any, anybody here ever have someone, you know, sin against you? Like they can, oh, man, all of us would be like, yeah, a uh, duh. You know, we can forgive and forgive and forgive, but we don't forget. Here's awesome thought. This is grace. God does. He forgives and erases. Your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I'll take your sin and your iniquity and part it as far as the east is from the west. Hey, I'll no longer condemn you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. What is all that? That's just grace. Oh, so I have grace. So God never, God, God doesn't know about all my sin then because he forgives and he forgets. And so since I'm under grace, I want more grace in my life. So I'll sin more. Right, Because if I sin more, then more grace is mine. Because where grace was, the Bible says in Romans 5, where sin was, grace did much more abound. So where sin is, there's more grace. And so if I sin, there's just going to be more grace. No, that's not understanding grace. Here's what Paul said in verse 1 and 2. I love it. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how are we, how, how shall we that are dead to sin live or continue any longer therein? Hey, if you're dead to sin, if you understand grace, you'll work at not sinning. But that's a word again we don't like, work. 
saying no to this flesh, it takes a little bit of uh, discipline. It takes a little bit of, uh, I can't, I feel like I'm a crack in there. It takes a little bit of, you know what? I'm not giving in. I'm just not gonna do it. Well, how do I do that? Yield yourselves as members or instruments of righteousness. Be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Listen up here. You choose today who you're gonna yield to. Oh, oh, wait. It's not just today. It's right now. And right now. And right now. And at one o'clock today. And at two o'clock. And at five o'clock. You say, Pastor, we get it. Listen, we may know it, but I want it to sink into our hearts today that this is, this is how we live an abundant Christian life is quit giving into the flesh. Consider it dead. Reckon it dead. If it's dead, it has no longer, no longer has control over me. And if it no longer has control over me, who does? The Holy Spirit of God. So every day I choose to surrender to him. <clears throat> As I, you know, wrap things up this morning, I, uh, I want to ask you if you've ever been sleeping. Well, I'll ask you this. How many of you enjoy sleep? I know some of you do because you've been enjoying it this morning. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. You know, everybody here probably likes sleep that God made that for us. Um, <clears throat> You ever been sleeping and you're there and you're like in the, I don't know, the sleep zone? You know, yeah, the REM, yeah, the REM cycle, the cycle is that deep sleep, but I, I'm talking about the one that's right before it, right? You know, the one where, where it's like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. This is going to be good, good sleep. Like you already know, this is going to be awesome. And then you hear, drip. And you're laying there and you're like, oh, bathroom sink's running again. It'll stop, it'll stop. I'm too comfortable, too comfortable. Drip, drip. You ever had that happen? For us, it's my daughter's music. Every night we tuck our kids in and Lena, she plays every night Bible songs for kids or Patch the Pirate when she's going to bed. She plays it every night. And I think it's great. I love her doing that. But she also wants the neighbors to hear it as well. <laughs> and so she'll go to bed. I'll go in, tuck her in, maybe turn it down a little bit. Inevitably, 30, 45 minutes, hour later, whenever I get in bed, I'll lay down. And, you know, the busyness of the day settles down. It's quiet. And I get in that zone. Oh, it's going to be good. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm like, I love this song. Just not at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> and I'll say to myself, this is the last song. It'll, it'll go out. She's been, she's been in bed for an hour and a half. Surely this is the last song. And then another song comes on. Father Abraham. <sighs> okay, this is the last song. And I'll lay there and I'll be annoyed by it but I'm too comfortable to get up and do anything with it. That's just the flat out truth. That dripping faucet, you'll lay there and let it drip and annoy the fire out of you until you fall asleep from exhaustion at three o'clock in the morning rather than at 1045, getting up, walking in there, turning it off or putting a rag underneath or something so it doesn't make the noise and going back because you'll let it drip because it's uncomfortable to get up again. There's a lot of Christians that sin is an annoying drip in their life. It is constantly annoying them. They know it is real. They know it's there. But we often get too comfortable to get up and do anything about it. And there's a lot of Christians that live that way. Here's what I want to challenge you today with. Stop being comfortable. Stop it. 
choose. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Man, you're dead to it. Be alive unto Christ. Consider yourself dead to sin. Choose that it's not gonna be dominating. Consider the fact that it's not dominating or controlling you. And then choose to be daily surrendered to the Lord. You want the abundant Christian life? It comes when I'm walking with him. And I'm not walking with him if I'm easily given into that sin and that flesh. I don't know about you, but I want the abundant Christian life. But here's the sad thought, is that too many Christians are in-betweeners. They live in between the cross and the resurrection. They believe in the cross and salvation, but are not living out the new life and entering into the power and glory of the resurrection. They know God has power for this, but they're too comfortable to get up and do something about it. Can I just tell you this morning, don't just learn this truth, live it. You see, because Christianity, Christian living depends on Christian learning. And if Satan can keep a Christian ignorant, he can keep that Christian ineffective. If he can keep you ignorant to the fact that you're dead to sin, you will not live the abundant life. So I ask you today, will you intentionally die? Intentionally die to sin. Consider yourself dead to it. Choose not to be dominated by it and commit daily to be surrendered to the Lord. As I close this morning, I would hope that if you know Christ, that's the decision you'll make. But maybe you're here this morning and the decision you need to make is to receive Jesus as your savior. And so I ask you this question, do you know Christ as your savior? Do you know if you died today that you'd go to heaven? If you're here and you don't know that, this morning I would encourage you to come and let us take a Bible. We'll have someone show you from the word of God how you could know that you're going to heaven. The best decision you could ever make is to recognize that his death, burial, and resurrection was all on the cross. It was in the tomb. He rose from it, and it was all for you because he loves you, because your sin and my sin condemns us to hell, but he died for that sin. I hope you know him as your savior today. If you don't, I'd encourage you to make that decision. If you do, let's today make the decision. I'm going to intentionally die this week. It's not gonna control me. Sin's not gonna control me. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. And as we come to this time of invitation, I wanna ask you just, if you would, if God spoke to you, would you respond to him? If you're here and you'd be honest, you'd say, Pastor, I, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. I've put my faith and trust in Jesus. I know that. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, I know that. I've made that decision. If you've made that decision, would you today make the decision this week? I'm not just gonna easily give in. I'm gonna fight this week. This week, I'm going to die to myself. This week, I'm gonna be surrendered to him. Maybe you're here though and you couldn't raise your hand to the question of knowing for sure you're going to heaven because you don't know that. And if that's you today, you'd say, Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today that I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor Dennis, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. If that's you, I encourage you to come and we'll take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure. Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Help us to respond to you as you've spoken to us. Help us today, Lord, to make the decision that we're going to intentionally die to sin. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.